Please find your body. It can be very helpful to begin with your posture so that you're sitting upright. Whether you're on a cushion or a bench or a chair, as best as possible, please sit on your sits bones so that there's an uprightness from the base of the spine. Letting the lower half of your body support the upper half of your body. And usually for those of you who are doing lying down meditation, it's helpful to have your knees up to support the uprightness of the spine in the lying down position. And of course, the uprightness that we're cultivating in each of the postures is supported by an energetic aliveness and relaxation. And as you let your awareness saturate your physical experience, in whatever way works for you, please relax around that physical presence. And as we establish this first foundation of mindfulness of the body, of course there are many different particulars you may be aware of. The contact of your body with the floor, the cushion, the chair, 
the points of contact where your hands are touching or your lips are touching one another or your eyelids Some of us may be aware of the temperature of the body. The warmth or coolness that may be here. And you may notice a variety of sensations, some being pleasant or not so pleasant. The body may be very open or at ease, or it may be tight in certain places or tense. as best you can, please relax any parts of the body that are tight or tense or being held, maybe the shoulders. Or the belly. And if you were not trying to force anything to relax, and so if something's tight and it won't relax, let's be, be aware of it and be spacious. Be aware around it. Relax around it. And of course, as we start to establish an embodied awareness, we'll very naturally discover that we're breathing and that the breath is doing itself. We can be aware of the movement, the flow, the sensations of our breath. First foundation helps establish a sense of composure or collectedness here in the present moment through the liveness of the 
body that's sitting here breathing. And when you have established a sense of collectedness or composure, please feel free to open the space of awareness and begin to become mindful of any emotion or mood or feeling that may arise and be strong and come into the foreground of your awareness. You may discover feelings of excitement or enjoyment or delight as you sit and meditate. Or you may notice that you're frustrated or angry or sad. You don't have to change anything. You don't have to fix anything. We're simply learning how to be here and be aware of the living reality that presents itself moment by moment by moment. And we're very uh, calmly beginning to open up the field of mindfulness, starting with the body and opening to emotions or feelings or moods. As we learn how to stay very present here, now, with our direct experience. We want to learn how to be very intimate with the human experience that's sitting in our seat. You'll notice if there's a strong emotion, if you're 
angry about something, there'll often be a lot of thoughts with it. A story, a scenario, a memory. And you don't have to get rid of the thoughts. They're part of what happens with emotions often. And you don't have to leave your body. You can be aware of how does the body experience, what does the body experience as we're having an emotion of anger? Is it tight or tense or hot or sweaty? Or does it feel engorged? or expansive, or fiery. And of course, you don't have to chart it. We just want to be aware of what's here experientially with the body and with the heart. And given the talk last night, you can also notice as you're aware of the body and the heart, the emotions or moods, if there's suffering or if there isn't suffering. And you don't have to go thinking about it, you'll notice how compelling suffering is. And maybe you'll start to also notice that the lack of suffering can start to become more interesting. If at any point it feels like the instructions are giving you too much to do, don't do it. Stay very simple here with this experience, whatever is here in body and heart.
please see what it's like to devote yourself to practice here now, moment by moment by moment, one moment at a time.
would like to encourage everybody to feel really free to respond to their sleepiness skillfully. Uh, we have the privilege here to be able to look around the room while you're meditating. And sometimes we notice people who are meditating like this. And actually, if you were looking up, you'd see some of us do that too when we're meditating. Um, and I don't know how much instructions are given about working with sleep, but it's really, I'll say a few quick words, just a simple thing is to open your eyes, sit up straight, uh, make some intention to stay awake, right, during the meditation. And then what I do, really, is stand up. And I find standing to be very, very skillful. It brings more energy to the body. Uh, my, my attention gets brighter. And I, can, I could stand for the whole sit. And it's a, it's a good way to practice. Um, and I often, at least before I really learned how to do that, I always felt kind of shy about standing up because I thought everybody will see that I'm sleepy. But mostly everybody's got their eyes closed so they won't see that you're sleepy. So you don't have to follow my example because it took me about 20 years to figure out, oh, I could just stand up and nobody's looking. So please... Um, Notice and see why don't you stand up or do something to stay awake when you're falling asleep. Even though I know it's nice to fall asleep when you're meditating. It's like not a bad thing. Sometimes people say, oh, that's the best sleep they get is when they're meditating. And of course, it is a great way to hear a Dharma talk. You get the most information. When, just sleep and, and it comes right in. So a few thoughts about sleep. And I noticed a few people sleeping. So I'd like to encourage you to really see what happens if you stay awake for every sitting this week. And after this week, if it doesn't mean anything to you, then you can keep going back to sleep. A uh, few questions that I thought I would respond to. One is, can you explain the difference between a hindrance and dukkha? Seems important because we often need to take action less than a hindrance, but are not asked to simply but are being asked to simply recognize dukkha. Um, so it's actually a, an interesting question, good question. It's, um, remember, simply recognizing dukkha um, doesn't mean you don't do anything about it ever, right? We want to see dukkha so we can respond skillfully. Now, in the, in the meditation, if I'm having some dukkha, like heartache, right? I'm bereft, you know, um, I want to stay present with it. And the effort, the energy to stay present with my heartache is, uh, is a skillful response to the dukkha of the heartache, right? So it's not like I'm not doing anything when I rec I'm recognizing it and I'm practicing with it, 
right? The recognition is just the doorway to to know what's here and respond skillfully. And sometimes um, if the dukkha is too much, we actually want to move away from it to create some balance so we can come back to it. Or better said, meaning like if really, if somebody's died and I'm totally bereft, at some point, well, maybe I want to do more walking meditation to help balance or ground myself so I can deal with the grief that's here, right? And because here's here's one of the things that I've seen about dukkha is it's not that I have to go back to it. It'll come back to me generally, right? It's not just gone because I've done something else for a while to bring balance. And even sometimes when there's a lot of mental proliferation and mental dukkha of just my mind going on and on, I'll be very diligent about staying with the body and the breath to kind of center my attention to get some relief from my mind. And, uh, and you know, I don't have to worry. My mind will do its thing later again at some point. And so I can maybe work with it just work with the thinking and the reactions to the thinking that happen. Um, and a hindrance, the hindrances are kind of universal experiences of desire, aversion, restlessness, sleepiness, doubt, right? And they're all could be forms of dukkha or they could not be because dukkha is a lot based on our reaction to what's true, right? So I could have desire and not believe it. And so I might not be caught in what's called the hindrance of desire. Or I could have aversion and not believe it. It's just aversion doing itself, but I'm not bound by it. Right, But often when there is desire, oh yeah, it's I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, and I can't relax and not be cathected to it. I use the word cathected often because it means it's not just connected, it's an energetic connection to the experience. Like the desire, I want chocolate. And even though I'm thinking this is ridiculous, it's, you know, you know, you know, 6.30 in the morning, you know, I don't really want chocolate, but the desire is there. The energetic cathexis is there. And so I want to be aware of it. It doesn't mean it's a hindrance if I'm aware of it. So I'm trying to just clarify a little between hindrance, dukkha, and 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 what it means to recognize dukkha and also then how freedom can come even when there's the things we don't like doesn't mean there's dukkha. And then um, so please speak about working with pain not typical meditation pain uh, but intense intractable pain. This is a really difficult part of practice for some of us. And there's, I want to I start, before I get totally into this, just to say the difference between um, how to work with pain skillfully and not skillfully. 
and which is you're going to be the master of your practice because we can't, you know, do anything. We can give guidance and some instruction, but you need to work with pain skillfully. And I'll tell you how I work with pain. I've sat with a lot of pain in my life. Um, is if I can sit with it and relax around it, it's workable. Or if I don't think I'm injuring my body, it's workable. And I can sit through very strong pain, um, even because even I think it's just it's dharma pain. It's the pain of sitting in a posture my body's not used to, and so there's an ache in my knee or my wherever it might be. And even now, I have a lot of discomfort in my hip, and uh, and so I'm always I know how to work with it, but I'm not injuring it by sitting like this. I'm not exacerbating it. But there are times when one has had an injury or difficulty of some point in part of one's body and there's pain there. And my, um, my default is to, I'd rather um, uh, err on the side of caution than on the side of pushing through it. Because there'll be pain no matter what you do if you're a human being. It's part of the deal if you have a body. There'll be that kind of pain. And so you don't have to be, you know, a super person and sit with really bad pain. Um, But see what works for you. And if sitting on a cushion does not work, don't sit on a cushion. If sitting on a chair doesn't work, don't sit on a chair. You know, you can sit on the cushion, on the bench, on the chair, or you can lie down and find the most comfortable place because even the most comfortable posture will be uncomfortable at some point. Really, I mean, sometimes I used to think oh, we should bring these really big beds in here, put them out for everybody, everybody, and say, lie down on the bed, right? You just lie down, it's comfy, it's cushy, it's got whatever you like, the right pillows, everything. And if you lie there for an hour, it starts to get uncomfortable. And don't move, of course, because that's the instruction, is just stay still and be aware. And then, of course, if you stay for two hours, you know, if you've got good samadhi, an hour, two hours, not a big deal. But three, four, five, six hours, it gets uncomfortable. Even with the nice beds that Spirit Rock's going to provide for everybody. And then I want to say a little more about this one piece because um, somebody's asking about um, multiple health problems and medical conditions with chronic pain and looking for relief. And, and at some point, there may not be any total relief. And so the question is how to work with it skillfully and you may need to move more often than when you were younger. I mean, I used to be able to sit through a lot of pain for a long time, and maybe I could now, but I don't care about it now. I'm not, that's not my interest now. Now I'm trying to see, oh, how much support can I get? Like even sitting on the bench is a new thing for me, because I like sitting on the cushion, but it's, it's too uncomfortable for my hip. And so, and so, how, and then, and then the other piece is, how long can I sit? 
relatively comfortably, meaning with not too much pain, and then how can I move without stopping being aware? Because it's all about 24-7 practice wherever we are, whatever position we're in, whatever posture we're in. Like, and so even now, you know, are you aware of your body right now as speaking and listening, which is part of 24-7 practice? And can you stay aware, let's say, of your body or your breath or something when you're in your meet, practice meeting today? So those are just a few thoughts about working with pain and, and the difficulty of being a human being just part of the of what's called dukkha in buddhism it's not that it's bad it's just nothing is uh perfect right there's no escaping the difficulty dis-ease unsatisfactoriness that is part of human life and it's what's what's really beautiful about it is it's not personal it's not about you. It's about us. It's something we all share. Whatever your size is, whatever your difficulty is, whatever your gender is, whatever your race is, whatever your economic status is, whatever your, your educational achievements or not are, it doesn't matter. It's something we all share, is that there's dukkha in life. It's one of the three characteristics. And then the last piece today is announcements. Um, We'd like people to come to the sit on time uh, and to stay to the end of the sit unless there's some real problem and you need to leave. Um, But please um, come on time um, and if you if you've been to practice meeting uh, don't come in during the sit is what we're saying now please sit outside or in a room if if you've been in a practice meeting um, and these instructions were written down for me they say at 1130 uh, sit today, Eugene will come at the end of the sit and offer uh, mindfulness of eating instructions. So Eugene's going to do that at 11.30. And uh, I'll be here for it. So I I hope you will too, because he's good at eating instruction. Okay, anything else? Good. Not not be in the hall when you have a practice meeting. So if you have a practice meeting, you know at at uh, whatever time you know eleven forty five and the sitting starts at eleven thirty, then um, uh, sit outside or in another room, please. Thank you, and really have a have a have a day of practice, however it is.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.